This episode is sponsored by Macmillan Audio and the audiobook version of The Best Friend by Jessica Fellows. Kate, this book totally could be us, like the dark, dramatic version of our friendship. Wait, what? (laughs) Yeah, Bella and Kate, they're kindred spirits like us. Bella is sensible and cautious. Kate is gregarious and just a little dangerous. Yeah, they're also totally toxic. Oh, come on. Honestly, it's the men that ruin it all. True. When Bella and Kate come of age, a black seed is set in the heart of their relationship. Over decades, acts of both cruelty and love ferment until one shocking event tests them beyond normal limits. Way beyond. The two narrators of this audiobook make it feel like you're listening in on a pair of best friends conspiring to get into a lot of fun and trouble. The best friend explores the darkest corners of female friendship, a place where loyalty and betrayal intersect with deadly consequences. Get The Best Friend by New York Times bestselling author Jessica Fellows on Audible, Libro FM, or wherever you get audiobooks today. This is Pop Fiction Women. I'm Corinne. I'm Kate. And we're complicated. Blunt. Total boss. But sometimes a mess. Opinionated but never boring. And in this podcast, we're discussing the complicated women of the best books, TV, and movies. Along with the complicated women behind the scenes. Warning, lots of spoilers ahead. So come back when you're done. Hurry up, it's starting. Drunk on Love, Jasmine Guillory's newest. I loved this book, and I was just thinking about how amazing it is that I love this book because no one's an asshole. There's no toxic relationship. That's right. That's right. Really nothing bad. The the main character is quite likable. Not that we, you know, understand our whole discussions about likability, but we happen to really like some really unlikable characters. She is... She is fantastic. I don't she I think is. everyone would would Nothing agree. Nothing bad happens to anybody. Nothing. No real trauma or damage and I I loved it. What Luke what, is, is charming yes. and, and and endearing. <laughs> yeah. I know. I uh, guess this is what they call romance. That's why, well, right? It's supposed right. to be Right. But I usually don't like those books. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like you're this saying, is yeah. boring. And who? Where's yeah. the complexity? Where is the complication? Where is the where? Like where is the meat? I did not yes. feel that way at all about this book. And so, I feel like though we should be doing this over a glass of wine. Mm, I know you're not a wine person, but no, but the it's vineyard true. setting and oh, Napa. I mean, love I love it. that too. And I just feel like we should be sitting here like sipping. I'm sipping coffee. That doesn't yeah. count. Um, because I just got so into that vibe too. I did too. I thought about it with 800 grapes. I don't. I just mm-hmm. almost sucker for Me a too. vineyard setting. I don't know why. Especially when, as you just said, I don't yeah. drink wine, but I, I do know. love a winery. They're just beautiful, right. and it just feels serene. They're always bucolic and picturesque, and mm-hmm. you know, I guess I. I don't know. I like that. I like yeah, that. Yeah, I agree. I also and did we, work at a winery. I was, I was basically say, Luke. I was just going to say, you worked in a winery. You're from the North Fork of Long Island, which for anyone who doesn't know is filled with wineries. I know it wasn't when you were growing wasn't, up, but, but still, certainly is but, now. But by the time I was of drinking age, it was. Yeah. So, it's like part of your, it's kind of in your DNA, in your, in your soil. 
there, yes, even though right. you may not partake Home in grown. it. No, it's true. It I didn't have knowledge, really. I was really the same as Luke. I was, you know, emptying dishwashers and learning and selling, mm-hmm. basically. And so, I just learned by experience yes. the drinking of it. <laughs> I, I, that's how I'm an expert on wine. I love it. I love oh it. God! All right, so should we get started with with Margot, our complicated woman? We should say we did speak to Jasmine. We did. Uh, that's Kit right. Killory. Which so, will be out before this one. So that's okay. right. So yeah. check so that we do have, interview out. Yeah. Yes, we talked about Margot with her, and we told her, and and we'll talk about it more now. We loved Margot. Yeah. I just thought she was so feisty and fun, but also ambitious and successful but I think you said on there you know she doesn't have any of these robotic sort of I'm the CEO I'm a you know I'm right. a, an accomplished woman like she has this really playful side that obviously comes through with Luke but just even with her employees and you know yeah. I just I really liked Margot. I know and she is a an interesting combination she keeps that professional distance but she's also kind of nurturing and caring she is always worried about her employees like have you had a day off but then I also will ask more of them like come in when you're not supposed to come in it's an interesting mix of professional but also something beyond that and I love where I want that boss where is that yeah well yeah, I don't know where that boss is. It's not no, at a they law don't firm, exist. I can assure you. Um, like, I'm like, that I can tell you. Uh, but yeah. no, it is hard to find. And I do think lots of times successful women are portrayed, you know, one way in in pop fiction. And, yes. and here I think we got a really nuanced kind of multifaceted, yeah. more realistic look at at. A successful woman all yes. in love. And, yeah. you know, there is this whole line, you know, that I had read to Jasmine about how she says she was too much for some people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you know, for most men, especially, she wanted too much. She cared too much. And, and she does have to downplay or feels like she has to downplay her accomplishments. And what I loved in this is that with Luke, that's like the very thing that attracts him to her. You know, that yeah. she doesn't have to do that. In fact, he, him... Being her employee and actually seeing her in her environment, both, as you said, the way she excels, but also the way she nurtures, yeah. is the thing that I think, I understand that was initial attraction was in the bar, but yeah. I think what he really then grows to love and respect about her is actually how she is in her job, which yeah. also you don't necessarily see that much. And I think he mistakes her kind of professional attitude with yeah. not caring. And yeah, that yeah. just, but it's like, it's so see-through to us that you're yes, like, no, Luke, exactly. don't mistake that. That's not Yeah, like, oh, I guess it didn't mean anything. Look, how can she be yeah, so right. together? She's yep. not looking at me. And it's like, of course she's not looking at you because if she looks at you, her eyes yeah. are going to light on fire because <laughs> yeah. she's seeing smolderingness. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, I get that a lot. That was something that I really loved about Margot. Just the way it made me think of other people say like, oh, you you look fine. Like, oh, you were you had a bad day. I couldn't tell mm-hmm. at all. I'm like, well, how am I supposed to let you know? I mean, right. it's like other than what breaking down 
a puddle on the floor? Like, well, how do how does one convey that they don't have it all together when they're trying to keep it all together? And yeah. this is like a common theme throughout my life. Even now, yeah. I feel like when I'm more in touch, I think for a while, I didn't even know if I was having a bad day. And now that I'm fully aware of those, my own emotions and my own experiences, I still get that I'm not able to convey it. Oh, I know. I get that exact same thing. And I'm like, oh, you have no idea what's going on in here. I may look like I have it together, but I can assure you. But how do people, how do normal people, not me, I guess I'm having the conversation with the wrong person. The wrong person. Right. I mean, you knew that. You knew you were having it with the wrong person. I would say... Some people, I don't know, they just seem visibly more like flustered or mm. they start sharing all their, their issues. Oh yeah. my God, I had the worst day because well, well, you wouldn't do that. Right. And right. then they start telling you. I actually think some people start telling you. Yeah. And is that the only way to do it? Is that the only way um, to convey? To actually say <laughs> to be, I'm having a bad To be or like to be like crying or something. Crying or something. Or right. sometimes someone just literally looks like shit. I mean, right, right. But you can't say, oh, are you having a bad yeah. day? You look like shit. <laughs> no, nope, this is just how I look. So I guess if you know the person very well, right. sometimes I can see someone I know and be like, ooh, yeah. they're having a bad day. Yeah. Actually, you know what? I had this recently with a friend. And another friend of mine who didn't know that person as well was like, was she okay? And I was like, no. And I yeah. knew because she really wasn't talking. Like she was yes. very quiet, and yes. that's I know the, my friend, and I knew that that wasn't normal for her right. in a social situation. So I guess sometimes there are small clues if you know the person. Yes, I guess. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Little tips or something. But, I know, but I. Get but when that. you're trying to hide your absolute fiery attraction for your employee, <laughs> I think that is just called putting on a game face, and yes. Luke can eventually. But it happens a lot. Even when she does let him in, then she goes back to being stoic. And so he thinks, yeah. like he imagined it. Almost. Yes, that's right. At right. least for this half, first half where they're still employer-employee. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. They have yeah. other miscommunications later, but that's... Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. That's the yeah misinterpretation the, of, of yeah. what she is doing at work, which is just being yeah. professional. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? I don't think i have anything else for Margot herself self no, no yeah i guess other than to say she, she has a she seems to be a really great friend to sydney oh, yes and yes. even when she's a bad by the way this was also why i loved this it's so much nuance this book she's sometimes a shitty friend like yeah. blows her off mm-hmm. you know says but she always makes up for it or she'll say I just couldn't talk about it yet, or I couldn't right. even admit it to myself. She's so, I mean, it's just the portrait of a perfect friend. And a perfect friend meaning a human being who's yes, trying yes. her best to be a good friend. And that is that involves being shitty sometimes and owning up to it. And then, yeah, you know going on and sydney i mean i love that friendship period both ways because she's also i think i really liked her as a character i mean she knows you know what she needs what her friend needs knows when to push her when she needs to give her a little push and then when she just needs to show up with food which i always appreciate in in a person (laughs) show up with with in the ways that i need even if i don't know i need it and i thought sydney was really and funny i also love anyone that's sort of you know there's yes. banter and she gives yeah. Luke some shit and all of that. So 
Yeah. And she works in a bar. I think I like that too. I yeah, think she, no. This whole bar restaurant business thing too. She's into food and I love it. So a lot of wine it. drinking and eating also yes. throughout the right. book, which is right love. up my alley too. Love. I know. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I loved all that. There's also I know we usually focus on the women and I know. We already talked about but I can't not talk about Luke. And mm-hmm. and sort of similar to Nora goes off script. He has what is sometimes a more feminine journey in this, mm-hmm. which is to say he's lost. Yeah. He's not sure what he he's been very busy pleasing his mother, you know, excelling, yes. trying to be a, a beacon for his race mm-hmm. and in tech. And in tech, exactly. Yeah, right. So he has been really outwardly focused. What does everyone need me to be? Who am I benefiting? Who can I benefit by being this version of me? And he really lost himself and he doesn't know who yes. he is and what he wants. And again, that is typically a more feminine journey in these kind of books, romance, rom-com, whatever, women's fiction, whatever genre you give it. It is typically more for the woman. And I loved seeing it. And it was very Mm -hmm. true to what we see. It takes time. You try to figure it out. You don't really know. Maybe you're you're lying to bridge the gap until you Uh feel confident enough to say what's going on. And I loved every bit of it. I really did. Yeah. And I loved, again, that there was a, a friend, again, this friendship. She, mm-hmm. she painted both these, well, with Avery, yeah. is the one that is sort of there to help him see it. And and she's the one that know, has known him the longest and knows that, you know, this isn't you. Like, you're not yeah. happy. And, and you do have to look, as you're saying, look within, Luke, and figure that out. Because right now you're pleasing everybody else and and looking externally like you're saying and she's like you don't have to take a job you're unhappy in and it's sort of a revelation to him like wait i don't yeah what do you mean and i get it because when you've been succeeding and succeeding and getting the job and doing the things and pleasing everyone and then he forgot that it wasn't actually making him happy and yeah the fact that he would almost have gone back to that yeah at that yeah. one point, you know, go back to a job that he hated. Yeah. And it was sort of her going, wait, because what are it, you what doing? it represents. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think his mother was a, obviously a yes. really big part of that, not wanting to. We're in his head a lot when, you know, because he's not at the job during this book. We're, we're in his right. head when he's talking to his mother and feeling that I don't want to disappoint her. I don't want her to think. And, and with Margot, I don't want her to think I couldn't hack it. So it was really refreshing to see that just it's a human experience. It's not a woman's experience. It's a human experience. Mm -hmm. And especially women are generally trained more to look outside for validation and for, you know, what they desire, what they want to pursue, how they define the things that they want. But this was felt very human to me. Yeah. No, that's a good point. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I loved how you said Avery. I loved how she called him on his shit and was like, but I'll go along with it for you. Mm -hmm. She's like, no, Mm -hmm. it's bullshit that you told your mom that we're dating, but I'll do it. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And then, yeah. And then when he's all, after he has the fight with Margo, which I know we'll talk about, and she's like, wait, you, 
like you didn't tell her like she takes she always tells him when she thinks he's done something wrong or not wrong but you know this is that's messed up it's totally messed up you got to make it right and things i love she's a straight shooter with him and and i really like that too yeah i guess i just am always trying so hard not to judge i'm like I don't judge my friends like they have mm-hmm. to fi- they have their own journey and they have to figure mm-hmm. it out it the fact that you could say I don't think this is right and I'm gonna go along with it is was revelatory to me I was right. like wait right. what right. is she doing yes yes <laughs> that's gotta true because that to herself yeah yeah <laughs> that's a good point it's not <laughs> it doesn't have anything to do with her right right all right so do we want to jump into some scenes Sure, sure. I mean, they're meat cute. Oh my god! I gotta talk about that. It was so the start good. of this. Yeah, it's yeah. so good. This, by the way, I don't know about you. I went in as I always try to do. I went in completely blind. I don't even like to read book jacket copy. I, when I get pitched a book, I try to just look at comps or, you know, very little. I try not to even read pitch because I don't want to know what it's about at all even if it's not considered and you know me I have a very huge broad definition of spoiler oh yeah basically everything basically the title might be a spoiler guys basically everything and so I'm so glad I didn't know because even though I had I knew okay the first scene is the brother just hired someone and didn't Mm -hmm. run it by Margot. And yes, she's thinking about something different. But in my head, I'm thinking, okay, so the next person you meet is going to be the person that he hired. So I knew it. But at the same time, it was so satisfying to have that come out. This is the thing about guessing and why I love guessing things. It's great to be right and still have it be satisfying. It's also great to be wrong and have it be satisfying, but the satisfying part is the most important part. Guessing it and having it be like, eh, like disappointing is not, you know, that's not the right execution. So I loved that I totally knew where this very first scene was going, and yet it was so satisfying to me. But how about the fact that I told you, which I guess could have been a spoiler under your definition, because I had started it before you. I'm like, holy cow, have you started that? I'm like, it is hot. Yeah. And and then you opened it, and the first scene was her and her brother, and you were so confused. I was. I You're was. like, what is Kate talking about? Exactly. I'm like, because I guess it technically wasn't the first scene. I just, you know, that's right. meant kind of the beginning. Right out. It comes right out of the gate with sex. So yeah, they so. meet, and mm-hmm. it, it's so funny because it's technically a one night stand, but mm-hmm. it felt like they got to know each other. I know like, at the bar. It was like 10 dates worth in that first night. And I don't know about you, but I just loved how, and this goes throughout the whole book, he really listens to her. He does. And I'm he wants such a sucker to. for that. Yeah, he wants to communicate yeah. with her too. It's not even like he just listens passively. He mm-hmm. is communicating with her about himself and then meaning mostly emotionally because they especially on this first night they say no discussion yeah, of I love jobs. that part yeah, yeah. no talk of work because she had sat down being frustrated about her yes, brother and brother. work and it just talked about it with Sydney so she just went let's just not talk about work which is yeah. great because you're right then it forces them to talk about other things something a little deeper yeah mm-hmm. and and they went there and it was just I found it so sweet and 
I don't know. And wonderful. And then they're banging. <laughs> like legit. Legit. Uh, out of the gate. And, I, and that's the other thing I said to you. I go, I haven't read any other of Jasmine's books. Are they always this hot? And you were like, uh, yeah, I guess you'd read The Wedding No, Plan, I right? did not or, think so. I oh, thought this no. one was above and beyond. But you hadn't read it yet. So, so oh, when right. I asked yes, you, yes. I was oh, like, right. yes. are they always really hot? You're like, well, they're romance. There's some, like, I think you were just like, sure, right. there's always some, but you hadn't read this yet. And you're like, no, oh, okay. I had no idea she what was coming. Yes. Oh, not, which we will talk yes. about more. But yeah, yeah, right out of the gate. I mean, I keep joking. It starts with a bang. I mean, yeah. literally starts yeah. with a bang. Yeah. But, uh, but just, yeah. 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 The whole thing. And somehow... Yeah, the whole lead up to it, whose apartment or house mm-hmm. were they going to go to, yeah. and everything. I know. Everything. I, I really loved it. How vulnerable they were with each other, but also still protecting themselves. I mean, I think if you, we always say we want vulnerability, and that's how you really get to the meat of things, but especially on a, a meat cute, yeah. how, you know, there has to be some level of protection. Although now I'm thinking of Colleen Hoover, and she does the uber vulnerable meet cute very well but I don't know I I thought this was much very true to life of what there were there are always things you will not feel comfortable sharing and then even with someone who you feel suddenly very able to share with and so right both things it was appropriate for yeah how much they knew of each other and where they were in this in this relationship which wasn't a relationship yet yeah but yeah so that I was I I was hooked, absolutely yeah. hooked from from the the connection they had, the way they talked to each other, the way they listened to each other. I also really love, kind of stepping back to a writer's point of view for a second, the third person that flows into each of their they're the close third that flows into each oh, of yes. their heads. It's Margot mm-hmm. and Luke, and it's not as defined as separated chapters sometimes exactly. it is but sometimes it's not sometimes, sometimes it's, it's not right it's just like a little break yeah mm-hmm. and it, it's very continuous it just yes. sort of you're right sometimes when that happens you're jarred I think a little from yeah I was in one person's point of view and now okay now I'm the other and those you you are shifting to theirs but it's almost but like it feels natural it feels like yeah. like she knew yeah. right in this moment I needed to know what Luke is thinking right now and yeah, then I got to like, go back to Marco and it's intimate in a yeah. way yeah, that oh, you yeah. wouldn't expect between like I'm in her head and then I'm over here yeah. and you're sort of sliding between them not not now you'll hear your point of view now I'll hear yes. his point of view yes so. which is very I think very hard to do I think Ellen well, Hildebrand yeah. does it well mm-hmm. Celeste Ng does it well in my opinion some feel mm-hmm. Celeste is a little more jarring but because she will introduce a whole cast of characters people mm-hmm. that don't even aren't even in the book like right. active in the book but I think they both do it really well. And Jasmine, I think, knocked it out of the park with this. Really. Yeah, I, definitely. And I don't, I wouldn't say I loved it in, as a thing. Because some people do like, prefer third person. I kind of right. like first person. But it was, yes. it didn't lose any of the intimacy, I agree, of being in their heads. It was a very close third person. Yes. Yeah. Ooh, oh, I loved it. I loved no. the meet cute. And then, yeah. you know. Then we find out the next day 
Oh, hi, he's the new employee. Right, right, yeah. Which I thought was immediate walls up, right? Immediate, yes. like you have to. This is, and she, we know that she is, both of them have worked in very professional environments. They know this is, the. these are the boundaries. This is something you don't cross. And so I found it very, like, the only reason I would believe these two after the the day and yes. night that they've had could could have put any walls up to each other. It was because of this relationship, this employer-employee yeah, relationship. Right. And we talked about this offline. You know, it, there we were trying to think of other instances where the obstacle is so, so clear. Like, you cannot cross over that. And I think that that, you know, sometimes there are obstacles. Not sometimes. There's always obstacles in, in romance or rom-coms. And some are more believable than others. Where you're like, well, really, you two could get together. I don't understand. Like, well, we're pretending you can't because of this or that. But here, this was such a clear line. I mean, no, it is illegal. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah. literally. Yeah. And now, I'm not saying people don't, don't do cross it. They that do. <laughs> line. Yes. But... It's a legitimate obstacle, a real reason. They're Like you said, they're both professionals. So we have no reason to believe that they wouldn't take that obligation seriously. Yeah. And also and so, she's her, a lot of her struggle is getting legitimacy from see, her, brother. her brother. So exactly. That so would, she definitely yeah, doesn't exactly. want to jeopardize anything. You're right. That's an added impediment Layer. that is very real mm-hmm. yeah. for her. And so within those confines that i think makes the smoldering i was talking about earlier just it's just it's like pouring gasoline on it even though you're saying it puts up a wall yeah i mean it does technically but but it's like the smoke is and fire is going under the wall around the wall and it's trying to they're trying to get to each other and it can just be in like a little look even though like you said she tries not to even look at him yeah because she knows if she looks at him it's just first of right. all, she thinks everyone will know. Yes, because you know. Yes, and she. But it's also the perfect setup because then they have to see each other every day. Yes. So it's just it's it's a really great setup. I love for it. so many reasons. I loved uh, it, and really I don't feel like it it's work. used a lot. Right. Yeah. We were trying to think of that. Yeah. I don't know because I mean, workplace romances they usually just do get together and then they're trying yeah. to hide it, and that's a different you know mm-hmm. level of obstacles and and issues but it's different and this one i don't I really yeah, it's like a it. forbidden love yeah. but it, you really buy it yeah yeah and yeah. it really builds the tension that's yeah. for sure definitely i as you know once they no longer had that impediment did not think that i didn't buy the obstacles as much but i i definitely this first half i think i read in one day I mean, yeah it was probably 40 percent of the way through the book yeah in one day i yeah. mean it is you want to, you're just like, what's going to happen? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I, I don't know if uh, my next scene isn't really a scene. It's actually dozens of scenes. I wanted to talk about the sex scenes. Okay. Well, that's my who won. So let's just do okay. it. Let's talk. No, yeah. Uh, well, then well, let's then let's hold off. Let's, no, I don't. I don't. I didn't talk through them, though. I just literally okay. wrote the sex scenes. I mean, yeah. so yeah. Okay. No, I mean. Okay. Because um, they evolve, though. You're right. Yeah. Do they evolve? Okay. Talk. Same I think so. Same. You know, it's like what Jasmine said about yeah. how she, when she writes them. And I, I think once she said that, that made sense to me, which is she looks at what stage they are in the relationship. And this is true of any of her books, she's saying. But, and where, like you said, 
what you would what it would look like on the one night stand versus once you're in a relationship you know i do think the the sex scenes do evolve a little bit in that sense that to to mirror where they are in their relationship sure they're always hot though and always good i can't i i said it i sex scenes are really hard to write they Mm -hmm. are you know gross cheesy (laughs) You know, they, they can be. They, they can, can be. They cliched. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking about writing about them, yes. Mm-hmm. And I, these just always stayed hot. And she did not shy away. There's not the meat cute and then it's done. It's no. constant. It's throughout the whole And detailed. Novel. Yes. Detailed. Very detailed. And Jasmine, yeah. as you're talking about on our interview said something that was fascinating to me sex is character and i was like mm. oh that's so true and it's in character it's the who are you but also who do you need to be and margot is this boss she is controlling and she knows what she likes and she knows what mm-hmm. she wants and she's dominating at work and she also is it makes sense that she is also that way in bed with luke but then also has to turn it around and be passive, be receptive, mm-hmm. be open. And that, I think, is something she doesn't get much else in her life. And watching that I, it was just fascinating. It really was a character study. Her sex scenes really are a character study. They really are. I forgot that she said that. Yeah. 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 And the... I don't know if the reciprocal nature is going to sound <laughs> weird, but no, they. What, or then I was going to say take turns. None of this yeah, is coming out well. Yeah, but no, but it, that's what happens. I, yeah, yeah. I think it is what what along the lines of what you're saying that they in each one of them they're you know they they do they take turns like someone is being more the aggressor, someone is being more passive, and it's never one always one or the other. Yeah, and. It's very much about, you know, pleasing the other, which, of course, you think is what sex is supposed to be about, but often is not. They're both very attuned to their the other person's needs, I think. Yeah. And again, that's what it should be. But yeah. I think a lot of people would say that maybe isn't their experience that yeah. someone is so attuned to what the other person wants and needs and likes and... Yeah. And is also equally willing to give that. Give and receive. I think that is just the the, the gold standard. And she wrote it for for every single one of these scenes. That is right. Yeah. We're going to talk about their big fight. Maybe it's more than one scene. but, But what comes out during that is sort of emblematic of what their issues are if you will or whatever whatever the the obstacles really you know and a lot of it is miscommunication or not not sharing with each other you know parts of themselves or the truth so so this by this point i mean they've been i mean they're dating the two of them are fully into each other Mm -hmm. and she but she asks him why after the big winery event, why did your mom, why does she seem to think you're dating Avery? (laughs) And it was the second time that this had come up, you know, so, and he admits to her that, that he had been lying about it. And they, and, and, you know, and she was like, like, seriously, like you pretended that you were dating Avery. Right. And then, 
you know, he apologizes and he says, I didn't want you to think I'm the kind of person who lies to his mom so he doesn't have to tell her he quit his job and feels like a failure. <laughs> like, okay, but you yeah. are the type of person that lies yeah. to your mom. And, yeah, but he you know, wanted to be suddenly, better than that. He wanted to be better yeah, than that. He just wasn't he ready for it, is the truth. He but, yeah. wasn't. Yeah. And you just see how they both just like go back and forth and jump to the conclusion. So then she panics when she hears that, that everything between them is fake. Like, I, you know, kind of this, I knew it, I knew it couldn't be real. Yeah. But then he also admits that he didn't tell her, he adds on top of this, that he was interviewing for a job at his old firm. Mm-hmm. So then she's pissed again because, yeah. you know, she's <laughs> like, you didn't tell me. Yeah. And then he immediately hears that as, what because you think I'm not good enough for that job so it goes back to his own insecurities when really she's just mad because this is an important decision and you didn't think to tell me about it yeah you decided to talk to Avery about it instead of me but and he's also like you couldn't for one second put that aside and be happy for me say congratulations that's amazing that's great which is valid too okay see so on that point I was like I was more in her camp which is how could you not tell me because this is something important that you've been struggling with and you decide to talk to Avery instead of me. And I thought jumping to the conclusion that you think I'm not good enough for the job was his own insecurities and that she hadn't done or said anything to, in my view, that would make him believe that she doubts his abilities. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really his own yeah. stuff. Yeah. So, and then of course he's like, me not telling you about this doesn't mean anything about how I feel about you. But you see, this this is where I'm like, yes, it does. I, this is where I was hurt. Like, I think it does because it means like what she said, which is it makes clear to me that like I'm not really in your life, that I'm only this small part of it. But then he's like, oh, yeah, well, you didn't even tell your brother about me or anyone at the winery. So you yeah. also weren't making me a part of your life. Yeah. And what does that say to me? And now you sure she has this excuse that well, you they used to be my do. employees, like, yeah. but but we're not anymore. So mm-hmm. and you still didn't tell yeah. me. So I think he's right about that. Like you want to say that I'm not making you a part of my life and involving you in my decisions, but you are seemingly embarrassed to admit that yeah. you're even dating me. Yeah. So they were they were both in my view uh, listening you know i was like this you know yeah like going back and forth between them but i, I mean they seem. were both not fully invested in the reality of of the relationship and they were sort of both hiding things and hiding the relationship yeah. and so you know that that's the obstacle i think to me after the employee employee relationship is over like i guess this were these were the issues they were facing but i didn't view these as things that were irreconcilable so I just sort of knew I'm like okay well they'll work this out like so I I never really thought there would be an issue of them getting together or staying together I'm sorry they were already together even this whole like he might she always says well he was only gonna be here for a little while he was gonna always go back to Napa but I mean he wasn't going to Alaska I mean and even he said I I could have I could work remotely like don't worry about that so I didn't think that that was which is fine because I wanted them to be together. So right. it's not like right. sometimes the obstacles annoy me because I'm like, hey, yeah, but I know you're going to get there. So, yeah. but yeah. I thought this, you know, fight really highlighted what the issues were between them. This is part of my takeaway, and I'll definitely talk about that mm-hmm. more. But I think they each were right in their own head. They were thoughtful, they had thought about it. 
They had made a decision that they thought was best for themselves and also believed did not reflect poorly on the other person. They Mm -hmm. both did that. And that that was very much not the case in in reality. That is not how the other person felt about it. They felt very differently about how it reflected on them, about how it Mm -hmm. reflected on their relationship. And so it's... Amazing because, again, no one was a dickhead. No one was an asshole. They had information. They thought about it. They made the best decision they thought possible. And yet the other person was hurt. Viewed very differently. Upset. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that, to me, is deal breaker kind of stuff. Like, that's when you're not on the same page because you feel very differently about the thing that is there, whether it's not telling Elliot or not telling her, her mom, even though Avery knew. I don't know. You can just argue the whole thing to death and no one is right and no one is wrong. And that's when right. relationships fall apart. Right. The, oh, I see. Yeah. I see. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I got it. But I thought it was the perfect kind of ending. They needed to really get some stuff out yeah. on the table and move forward. Exactly. And I, I thought it was yeah. a great way to end it. And then also the wrap up the situation with Elliot, which is where the book starts and where the book ends with her brother. And this is another, Mm -hmm. I think it's the same idea. Something happened. They both know what happened. And yet they ascribe completely different meanings to what happened. Elliot's Mm -hmm. like, I was grieving. I said one asshole comment a long time ago Mm -hmm. when I was in a really bad place. It wasn't meant for you. It was my own shit. And she's like, I heard this thing and I've carried it around this whole time. I think it means everything. I think it means how you feel about me as a person, how you feel about me as a partner, the whole thing. It's the same riff between her Mm -hmm. and it's not quite miscommunication. It's more misinterpretation. We know, all know what happened and we disagree about what it all means to to us and how valuable it is and, and what I'm supposed to take away from it. And that to me, that nothing is truer and more painful and poignant to real life to me so yeah no then that is her and Elliot really 100%. have the conversation and they say all these things and he is able to really say to her no look at all you've done I love all this this is amazing you bring stuff to the table that I could have never brought and she yes. says okay all I've it's all I've ever wanted and so it's all you ever yeah. wanted it's one of those where you're like oh god why did you have this conversation sooner yes which you know is also true to life yes uh, you know, exactly. how many times do people say that yeah yeah and I also just love that in that scene you know when he finds her which is right the same same scene or around there where he finds her drinking you know on the by herself mm-hmm. and after she's had this fight with Luke and that's when they finally start talking and you know she said oh you know I had a fight with this guy I was seeing he's like Luke, Luke. And she's like oh you knew we've talked about this a million times with siblings and there's good and bad to them having known you longer than anybody yeah. else and this was an example of the good which is of course I know I could see the look on your face when you looked at this guy. Like, I, I, of course I knew that, you know, and, and knowing that she needed like a bucket of French fries and, and, and all that to, you know, it's like, that was the, the familiarity of siblings. That part was really nice. In addition, yeah, I loved the part where they finally had the talk you're talking about, but also just this, yeah, like, oh, okay. Being vulnerable. Yes. Yeah. Letting letting it be a comfort instead of a an anchor yeah and then giving her some good advice you know he said like don't you should talk to him obviously my sister 
who is this amazing, successful, smart, wonderful woman, would not be crying on the floor alone <laughs> with wine if she didn't have feelings for this guy, yeah. you know? So he's like, yeah, don't talk to him now, though, because you're drunk and yes. you're mad. <laughs> so it was very, yeah. I liked that. I gave uh, her and ended with some advice. Yeah, and again, just like the, the fight and the reconciliation between mm-hmm. Margot and Luke, I thought this one was just... It just perfect. It just went with everything. It felt inevitable and yet surprising. And I just so it felt so good to read this whole book to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is yeah. why I don't know if you're done with scenes, but I have yeah. like no damage. No, nope. I mean, we've no, talked about it. We've talked a little bit about some of the things that they're grappling with and the work mask and the maybe the idea of like there's some hypocrisy for both of them in thinking I can keep this a secret but you can't and your situation is somehow different than my situation and and but I mean I I don't even want to go down that road it's just they're very they're human and I know that that's the point of our whole podcast is to let people know Mm -hmm. but I for me I just don't I don't want to dig into it because they're not perfect and in that way they are and I kind of want to leave it yeah. at that yeah I, I like that I yeah. do yeah no couch for Margot. no no she's good <laughs> she's, she's handling off the it couch exactly yeah, she's she handling is. it she is. she's handling it mm-hmm. all right so then what she said or what she said yes Jasmine. We had, like we said the real live what she said but that's right Jasmine Guillory a lawyer a writer, mm-hmm. a yogi, and a baker. Mm-hmm. There's no one I was going to be more it. smitten with, with those four. You know, I asked her about this a little bit, but, you know, we only have limited time when we talk yeah. to the authors, and, you know, we have a lot to cover. So, but I, I really could have talked to her, I honestly think, for the entire time about this article that she wrote. I think it was in 2018 for Catapult, uh, entitled How This Lawyer Learned to Call Herself a Writer. And she said at the beginning of it, you know, what do you do? And it's one of the first questions we hear at parties, meeting someone new. For most of my life, this has been an easy question to answer. I'm a lawyer. She said, that's the way I've answered for 15 years. For the three years before that, I was in law school. For the 12 years before that, in answer to the junior version of that question, what do you want to be when you grow up? I always said, a lawyer. And that made me think of you, Corinne. Yeah, yeah. Um, Because that's, I know you've said that, you know, I think you even go back further, maybe kindergarten or something. But, and I never thought about it this way, which is what she's saying, and I'm sure you understand, which is you've been giving, you were giving yourself an identity before you even had that identity. Yeah. Do you think about it that way? Absolutely. I think I said that specific, exact you? same thing on, gosh, it was Serena. It was our Serena sidebar. Oh, okay, okay. So you've taken on an identity before you even have the identity. Yes. And then, like she's saying, so then she went through all of school, like you just being like, I'm going to be a lawyer, I'm going to be a lawyer, and then you go to law school, and then she is a lawyer. Yeah. And so now you've been wearing that label for longer Your than whole you've life. even been the thing. Yeah, okay. way longer. So then Multiples she, Way longer, longer. yeah. Yeah. And so then she starts writing because she's just looking for a creative outlet while practicing law. And she said, at first, I told barely anyone what I was doing. It seemed almost embarrassing for someone like me to go home from her legal job every night, sit on the couch with her laptop and work on her book. 
Why had I ever thought I could do this? I didn't go to school for writing. I haven't even taken an English class since my senior year of high school. And then she was having a conversation with a friend who didn't know that she wrote, but said, oh, you must write. And just sort of looked at her and said that. And she's like, like thought she was being outed. Like, because yeah. again, she's only been writing on her laptop right. at night at home. Right. And she was like, uh, and before she could answer, the woman said, well, if you write, you're a writer, which people say. And, but she, she heard that. And then she was like, hmm. But then she said, you know, it's easy to know when to call yourself a lawyer. Did you graduate from law school? Congratulations, you're a lawyer. But how do you know when to call yourself a writer? How did I know? And she said, it was just like this evolution. She started slowly. Like first she said she had to start calling herself one in her head. But then she started like looking at her life and, and, and her writing. And, the, and she was like, you know, I, I could be very disorganized as a lawyer or procrastinate. And like when it came to writing, I was like a machine. And I wanted, I did it so well. And I never had to be told, you know, to do it. And right. this, so she said, she concluded by saying, I know I'm a writer, not just because I write books, not just because I love it, but because I'm better at being a writer than I've ever been at anything else. Hmm. Now, when I'm asked what I do at parties, I'm a lawyer and a writer comes out a lot easier. Now, this was 2018. Mm -hmm. So I think she was still doing both. Mm -hmm. But she said, I love this job more than I've loved anything else. Mm. And so that's how she knew. But now I think she did confirm to us that she calls herself a writer mm -hmm. because this was four years ago, I guess. But just the I fact love that, that essay. I cannot this. believe. Yeah, you said you had, I knew you would had like a line from it but I yeah. that whole thing I need to read that I need to find that yes I can send that to yeah. you yeah that's so good but just this slow baby step well so that's so funny because that goes to my what she said as well which just seems to be her mo because I was reading about her journey with yoga yeah which mm -hmm. is also kind of baby steps she just baby step. she said she came back from a a trip in New York where she had been very active, been walking a lot. There was just more energy to her activities and she wanted to continue that, but she hated exercise and didn't want to, you know, exercise, run, walk, you know, anything kind of more formal about it. So she was like, I'll just do yoga. And she rolled out her mat on her carpet and turned on YouTube and just did it one day. And then it was like, well, the, the, the instructor said, I'm challenging you to do it for 30 days. And she was like, 30 days? Oh, that's a lot. I can't do 30 days. But she did. And she did the 30 days. And then she, when she got to 50 days, her friend said, oh, maybe you can make it to 100. And she was like, 100? That's crazy. No way. Mm -hmm. And then she did. And now I'm going to read the last paragraph of this piece. It says, my life has changed dramatically over the past 1,720. 72 days that I've been doing yoga and yoga has been the one constant. I've done yoga in four countries, 18 states, countless hotel rooms, and even a handful of airports. I've published eight books. I quit my full-time legal job. I've lost family members and loved ones. I've made new friends and welcomed new family. I've lived through the depression and sadness of the past two years of a global pandemic, but yoga has been there for me every single day. It's a daily time for me to check in with myself, see how my body is feeling, actively think about how I'm doing in a way that I didn't before. And it gives me time to think in a slow, measured way. 
a way that I don't most of the time. Sometimes in the midst of yoga, I get a brainstorm. I distinctly remember having the very first idea for what became my newest book, Drunk on Love. So the tying it right back in while doing yoga one night. Sometimes I sweat out my anxiety and sometimes I cry. But every time, even the times when I've had to drag myself to the mat, I'm so grateful that I had that early morning idea to do yoga and that I kept going. Oh, oh God. So That's amazing. Good. So good. But do you think, see, I would, I love this idea, but yeah. I think then I would become totally neurotic, which I understand is anti. <laughs> pathetical to yoga that if I missed a day do you think she now is it just like what if she wants to skip a day what can she not skip a day just what if there's a for whatever reason she can't I I feel like she's on this streak yeah and then what if you can it would it would really it would it's too I even thinking about it I'm like oh god what if you miss a day what now that you wrote this whole article and you said what if it what if you expanded the definition of yoga Look at me, I'm like this. Tell me. <laughs> what if yoga is a five-minute stretch? Why okay. would you have to skip that? You could. No, you wouldn't. Yeah. I don't know how long this is. Of course, that's exactly yeah. what I was thinking as well when I heard this. I'm like, is it 30 minutes? Is it 45? Because, wow, that's a lot to not have skipped. But maybe she just does a five-minute one. So she could. is it now that she just wants to get the check mark that she did it? Or can she not breathe without it? I, I don't know. I have so many questions. I have okay. so many questions. This All is right. why I don't do yoga. Or perhaps this is why I should do yoga because I bet she is not being obsessive about this. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I can't know. tell the difference between when someone does something like that and then is it obsessive? But it seems so antithetical to yoga. Like I, I did a 30 day meditation thing right. and I was like, I liked it. I really did. But then I was like, oh, my God, I can't. It becomes like, I can't miss it. I can't miss it. Right. Which is not very chill. No, it's not. Or meditative. (laughs) No. Like, I just think a challenge for me, like a 30-day challenge, becomes obsessive. So even broadening the definition for you, that doesn't help? That doesn't help you? Because you would get obsessed about it. Yeah, a little bit. Then I, it's just not good for. I feel it's not right. good for me. I, but <laughs> yeah, I, to, so to, then doesn't that seem yeah. right? Because yeah, I, like I should just do things when they, when I want to. If I yeah. make it a, but I understand that if you don't, the way you make habits, the way habits form, of course, is doing them regularly with some number of days in a row. Yeah, I am the complete opposite. I am someone who I'm against habits. Habit to me is antithetical to consciousness. Habit is rote. Habit Mm -hmm. is robotic. I want to be conscious about every single thing I do. Guess what, Corinne? You can't be. (laughs) It, Mm -hmm. you know, and there is benefit. I'm learning this slowly, but it feels like if I just take it in smaller things, then it doesn't feel like something I have to commit to for the rest of my life and or the Yeah, the, and that would go against your sh- Aries cardinal shadows. nature. Yeah. yeah, you can. Yeah. I think that's what this bristles up against for you too. Like you you like things if you're a person that likes change. Yes. And new things and the thought of doing something or being required to do something every day would seem ugh. Yeah. Well, I guess I'm saying I do see, I'm starting to see value in it. I'm starting to see value in having some things on autopilot and doing Mm -hmm. something every day when you don't feel like it, when you don't feel like you're bringing, like, I only like to do things if I'm 110% in. 
I don't like to oh, be, okay. you know, yeah. less than that. But I don't know. I'm seeing the value in it. And I don't know. I'm doing things every day. Every single day. Yeah. And Well, I do, I do lots of things every yeah. day. But, but yeah, but for know, me, that's, that's revelatory. So... Yeah, 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 yeah. So I love that. that. Interesting. I love it. So then takeaways? I don't really have a takeaway of a question. Uh, oh, good. Oh, I love, you but, know I love but, questions. Well, well, I kind of mentioned this in an email to you when we were talking about a bunch of romance and rom-com novels and things. I just wanted to talk about the age difference thing. I'm still thinking about this. So if I'm still thinking about something, I need to talk to Corinne about it. So, you know, there is this 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 age difference between them she makes a lot of references Mm -hmm. to Margot does to the fact that he's younger and this younger man and the suggestion being how could I thought the suggestion being how could he be into me or it's one of the things she questions about whether this can work is because he's younger and Mm -hmm. he's younger and the younger and I don't (laughs) do we is is an age gap where it's the woman who's older and the man who's younger do you feel that that's like such a huge obstacle or or would it make it seems in this one and others that it makes her insecure and would you would do you feel that way it's hard 20s? for me to answer that I think that's a personality trait either it right. would bother you or it wouldn't but I right. am an age like I don't think age matters like who cares right, it's just right. about the connection yeah, but I did like, which I said to you, that in this, it's a flipped, like we said, that it's an older woman with a younger man, and that the younger, what it does for the younger man is make him question whether he's good enough for her. Because even though she feels a little insecure about it, he feels very insecure about it. A lot of things, but the age in particular, because he's like, she's a badass. I mean, she's a baller. She's the CEO. And... I'm working in the tasting room and I do like flipping this the script on that yeah. that it's a younger man going like I don't know I mean am I good enough for her yeah. you see I, I I it's definitely there you can't argue it's in the pages I just think that comes more from not about age but of being lost when you're that lost she looks like she has it together yeah. and he's lost yeah. versus yeah well, and, and I like, guess sometimes and any time yeah. you're lost, you're wondering, "Am I good enough?" You don't even know who you are. How can you know if you're good right. enough for anything? And right. yes, I think it's. A, I think it worked really well as a device with the age here. But I do think it's really just a product of being lost that that insecurity and that doubt. And he can blame it on the age, and I think it works. But I really it works think because what's underneath typically it. young. Yeah, I guess because typically a younger person, less established, at least in this case in his career is the one that's typically more lost but you know as you're pointing out i mean in real life it could be a, a well he had his lost yeah he had his act together i mean he's not right. finding himself for the first time he, he had really redefining yes, what's important exactly, to him. Yes, exactly exactly because he had had all measures of success right he had already right, gotten that right and so mm-hmm. he was now. I like out. that better than the age then. And I guess the age is sort of a stand in or a way to also highlight that difference. But I like that better. Because yeah. the age, I'm sort of like, I don't know, am I supposed to be concerned? Like, yeah. ooh, there's an age gap. I don't. But 
I, I don't but know, I think maybe. that's I, what people do. People blame uh, it yes. on external things instead mm-hmm. of naming the thing. Because he never says I'm lost, right? He never yeah. says I'm lost. I don't no, know. No. You know, he definitely said he, he's unsure whether he wants to go back, what he wants to give up, what he doesn't. He knows he doesn't know what he wants to do next. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely hints of him being lost. I'm not making it up. But right. yeah. to, to say, I, I don't even know who I am really. And that is never going to be good enough for someone who knows so clearly who they are. Who they That's are. a lot to admit for yeah, a human. It is. Oh, yes, yes. Although as I'm talking about the age, I mean, I do think there are people who, and in this society, who think a middle a woman in their middle 30s dating a, a 20-something. There would be people who would be like, what could they have in common? Yeah. Or that's who would still which they probably wouldn't do if it was reversed if it was a man i wonder that is, do, is that true i still know people like that right 100 but no 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 i agree about that it happens yeah. with much more mm-hmm. frequency because i think men don't care what other people think not because i think people do say like ew what's going on there yeah they do they just don't care not, i think they say ew when it's like a when, I think the age gap has to be much bigger yeah. with a man okay. for people to say ew. Okay. Like, we're, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I think they'll they'll judge a woman more harshly if there's even only a eight or ten year age gap. Whereas a man, it's got to be like a twenty year age gap before somebody goes ew. Yeah, I don't know. You know, I live I in a, they get a lot I live in leeway. New York City and in a in a world of reality TV where all of those things yeah. are very normal. Well, <laughs> so yes, I'm a yes. bad judge of those things. You're yeah. you're like really in the real world. But you know a lot of wim- yeah. women with much younger husbands? Yeah. Well, not husbands. Yeah. Boyfriends is, or long-term okay. partners. Does that change it right. for you? No, yeah. no. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I don't know that many of the yeah. where the women are much older than the Yeah men i i thought yeah, that second, or if it is i think it's, it's a more recent phenomenon than it used to be right it's more socially acceptable now than it was you know 10 20 right years ago. when did ashton kutcher and demi moore get married i mean that yeah, was a big yeah. deal that was a big but that deal. was also a yeah, really yeah. long time ago yeah yeah that was a big one yeah was that 25 years ago 20 years ago so my takeaway is more of what we were talking about before Mm -hmm. i'm struggling with the word because i just obstacle i don't know it doesn't feel right to me like Mm -hmm. it's the insecurity and and same thing with the miscommunication it's not really miscommunication it's misinterpretation but i don't know to me the only obstacles that i really believe in for love are the people in it are there is the Mm -hmm. people in the relationship what we prioritize what we need what makes us feel loved, what we can communicate, what we can even know for ourselves, what makes us feel safe. That is not only different for everyone. It, I mean, we saw in normal people, Marianne wanted to be hit. She wanted to be hit for her own reasons. Connell mm-hmm. couldn't hit her for his own reasons. And per, two consenting adults can have a relationship that involves some physicality. And then also in another relationship, it's terrible. It's ruining people. Right. So it's like, mm-hmm. there. what even are obstacles, right? That's a, an extreme case, I think. Right, but right. I, you know, I was thinking about it because... Well, did you think the employer-employee was an obstacle? For them, I mean, it was. It's illegal, but you said, you're right. Right. People do they it. do it all the time. So, 
So for them, it and was. And those two wouldn't. Right, right exactly. And for, for others, okay, it's I not. got it. And so right. I don't see like. So even something like that, to right? Me, which it, seems objectively to be an obstacle. Yeah. I, it is maybe not, it, depending on the people. Depending, I think, depending yeah. on the people. If someone is like, look, okay. it's illegal and I could immediately be fired, but I don't care about my job at all. And so I would because rather I be you so with much. you mm-hmm. and find a new job. And that's fine by yeah. me. And I'm not going to voluntarily yeah. do it, but I'm happy to suffer the consequences. And mm-hmm. that is different. I was thinking about it, though, in the context of long distance. And I was thinking about my oh, husband yeah. and I were long distance for the first year of our relationship. And it worked really well. It just, I had just gotten out of a very serious relationship. It was, if we were together, there would have been too much pressure on the relationship. That mm-hmm. distance gave us some breathing room to really, you know, figure out who we were as a couple. We had a big time difference, which at the time was kind of wonderful. We were single and young, and it meant I could never call too late for him because he was in L.A., I was in New York. Mm-hmm. It meant, like, sleepy morning conversations for him when I was on my way to work. And so... It had so many beautiful aspects of the long-distance relationship. Same two people, right before yeah, yeah, COVID yeah. hit, my, he was mm-hmm. living in LA and I was in New York with the kids. All of it felt different. Like I really, truly yeah. was like, this is it. The, the relationship is, yeah. if there is no yeah, future is- for us because we want very different things and we prioritize different things. And this is just, it's over. It's, it's, it may right. very well be over. Now, COVID hit, thank God. And we have now spent too much time together. But <laughs> I mean, how can anything be an obstacle when in the same exact relationship, it was exactly what we needed and the worst thing ever? Same way. Yeah. Exactly. You're in a different place in your life. Now you have kids and like, yeah, you're the same two people, but yeah you were in a very different place. So you can't always say long distance works or doesn't work or is an obstacle or isn't an obstacle, even for you. It's just about what we need, what we prioritize, what we can communicate, how we can communicate it, what we're willing to ask for, what we're willing to to settle for. And yeah, those are the circumstances I think that are, that were different for me in both of those. Although in a book or a movie where you have to at least put in some, I mean, that's the whole rom-com setup is there have to be something keeping them apart, I guess, instead of calling it an obstacle. It's how what their own stuff presents, right? How that that comes out, like what they're hiding behind. Like for Luke, we already talked about for Luke, he was hiding behind his Mm -hmm. age, right? So yeah, the then yes, there's the external manifestation mm-hmm. of what they are not communicating or not admitting or not dealing with. Right. What made me, though, think about all of this was such a random quote on Instagram. I, <laughs> so random. Okay, I'm ready. It was a, a little blurb from the novel Rebecca by Daphne, oh. Daphne du Maurier, yes. And this was it. I'm glad it cannot happen twice, the fever of first love. For it is a fever and a burden too, whatever the poets may say. They are not brave the days when they are 21. They are full of little cowardices, little fears without foundation, and one is so easily bruised, so swiftly wounded, one falls to the first barbed sword. Immediately, Marianne and Connell are in my head, right? I'm like... (laughs) 
<laughs> and then yep. that made me think of Sally Rooney, of course. Everything is relational. Mm-hmm. There is no individual. And then I thought of the, it's the same concept, but a more positive tone to it in Beautiful World, Where Are You? In Alice and Eileen's emails, she says, maybe, maybe we're just born to love and worry about the people we know and to go on loving and worrying even when there are more important things we should be doing. And if that means the yeah. human species is going to die out, isn't that a nice reason to die out? The nicest reason you can imagine? Because when we should have been reorganizing the distribution of the world's resources and transitioning collectively to a sustainable economic model, we were worrying about sex and friendship instead. Because we loved each other too much and found each other too interesting. And I love that about humanity. And in fact, it's the very reason I root for us to survive. Because we are so stupid about each other. Oh, yes. Oh, I remember that from Beautiful World. Oh, we loved that quote. Yeah. So yes. I don't know. The, those things make me think that there are no obstacles. The only obstacles in a relationship are the two people that are in it. The rest, the long distance, the jobs, the exes, mm-hmm. they're just logistic. Right. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Oh, that is good. Yeah. That was well, great. as did Drunk on as Love. As does Jasmine. Yeah, exactly. We are Drunk on Love, Drunk I on the Book. I highly recommend coming from me who I promise you there are no assholes there's no toxic relationships there's no (laughs) bad things happening to these people it's just a great human book I love it yeah amazing all right right. this has been pop fiction women with Corinne and Kate if you enjoyed this show please tell the complicated women in your life and the men who love them yes tell them to listen And then to follow on Spotify or review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And of course, share on social media. Tag us with your favorite books, TV shows, and movies starring complicated women on Facebook and Instagram at popfictionwomen or on Twitter at pop underscore women. For more coverage of the women you love or to find out if you qualify as a complicated woman, go to popfictionwomen.com. And keep it complicated.